This episode of the Busted Wide Open podcast is brought to you by Blueberry. Blueberry offers the best media hosting, accurate listening stats, and their all-new PowerPress Deluxe sites, a no-setup WordPress website for your podcast with all the necessary links to share your show with the world built right in. If you currently produce a podcast and are looking for a better media host or looking to start a new one from scratch, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO and sign up for the best media hosting and a PowerPress Deluxe site to get your first month absolutely free. That's orbitaljigsaw.com forward slash BWO, or just use the promo code BWO at checkout for your first month free. And with that said, enjoy the show. This is the Limitless Keith Lee, and I'm here to ask you to stop what you're doing. Take just one moment and bask in the glory of the Busted Wide Open podcast. Mwah. You're listening to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. Dropping the elbow on the hottest topics in sports entertainment and the world of professional wrestling. With your hosts, Nick Howell and Sir Ian Dangerous. Coming to you from the Orbital Jigsaw Network Arena in sunny Southern California. Welcome back to the Busted Wide Open Podcast. If this is your first time joining us, I'd like to welcome you to episode number 61. I'm Nick Howell. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous, or as I'm probably going to be known shortly, Sir Ian selling himself on the street for money because uh, (laughs) I had an unfortunate incident this week where my computer uh, took a bit of a bath. And uh, as a result, uh, it's currently in the shop getting getting repaired to the tune of a Probably, probably about four figures, and and uh, I'm not a very happy man over here. So it was an it was kind of interesting trying to write the show this week. I'm yeah. not gonna lie, I had a I had a a bit of a tough time putting everything together, but hopefully everything came together okay, and we still have a an excellent show to give all of you guys listening out there today. Well, I am calling this episode WrestleMania Preview Part One because we have got two more weeks, two more shows, including this one, before we get to the grandest stage of them all of WrestleMania. And the funny thing is, is that most of the stuff that went on this week was mostly a commercial slash preview for the upcoming event in what ten days now? Yeah, give or take, and. and- and uh, you're right. Most of it was like, hey, guess what? This is happening at WrestleMania. And it wasn't a lot of plot. It was more, it did feel like a commercial for WrestleMania. We had a few things happen, a few extra little tidbits thrown at us or percolations or, or plot points. But those were the bright spots. The rest was kind of a slog at points. Just like, yeah, I know. I know we're having that match. Yes, I know they're doing. Okay, let's go. You know, yeah. at, at least, <laughs> at least this year. The, the the theme song for WrestleMania isn't quite as obnoxious as it has been in years past. Like the the New Orleans sh- song they have is kind of innocuous. Yeah, you know, like in years past they've had getting 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 yo getting. I was oh god, kill me every time I heard it. So at least we have that going for us. You but, can't be mad at the Bourbon Street Jazz. No, that's, that's, that's fun. Yeah, it's, it is. It's it is what it is. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so at least we have that going for us. But yes, most of what we have to talk about with WWE this week is going to basically be like is going to be recap. Of yeah, these WrestleMania matches are happening. So we're gonna have to throw in some speculation about what's happening at WrestleMania. We'll throw in a, a whole bunch of, of extra you know analysis and thoughts on those sorts of things. But we also have a ton to talk about because between yourself and myself, we've seen a ton of live wrestling this week as well. Between going to uh, PWG's Time is a Flat Circle in downtown Los Angeles and and myself making my way down to Strong Style Evolved in Long Beach and sitting through that show while being sick as a dog with food poisoning, which was 
an interesting experience to say the least. I was kind of mad at you because I didn't get to go, but I can't be too mad at you because you manned up and went through it anyway being sick. I, I, I barely got myself a ticket and I, I, I had to suck it up as a result where it was like, <laughs> people are people are counting on me, man. Uh, hey, bef- Nick, I'm sick. Do you want to go to Strong Style Evolved for me? I didn't realize I was sick and literally until I was standing outside of the building. I thought I was just like tired or something. Yeah. And then by the time I got there, I'm like, I feel kind of weird. I ended up uh, running into uh, Larson from the Going in Raw podcast out front. And he and I were talking. He and his, his wife and I were talking. And, and I just, in the middle of talking to them, I started feeling weird. And I had to run away to the parking garage and hork out back of the parking lot. <laughs> and just it, everything just kind of went down, spiraled downhill from there. Till by the time we got inside, I just felt like death. But uh, at any rate, you know, enough about my complaints. We'll, we'll get to that show and we'll talk about that later in this episode. Uh, speaking of the Going In Raw podcast, before we get into the rest of this episode, we do have to throw out there that we, last week we threw down a gauntlet. Yes. We threw down a gauntlet to two other podcasts, the Take Two podcast and the Going In Raw podcast. Uh, so actually, the gauntlet was thrown down to us by Take Two. Sure, and then we threw we threw it back, and then threw one to to going in Raw as well. Basically, seeing who can come up with the most accurate WrestleMania picks this year. And as of this point, uh, Take Two has they have responded and they have picked up the gauntlet, and there will be a challenge between the two of us, two of our shows. Uh, going in raw, uh, tentatively saying yes right now. Uh, we need to get them to get them our stipulations, but they are they are good to go as well. It was what it sounds like. So at this point, all we need to do is figure out the stipulations. What's up? What's on the table for this uh, for this challenge? What what's at stake? What the what the the payoff or the punishment will be for the teams that win and or lose? Loser gets put through a table. Uh, I would be down with that. The question I just have to ask: Who would be putting me through the table? Is uh, just Lars Sullivan? Lars Sullivan. Mm. How about yeah, that? I'd still do it. I'd still what, do it. You would really? I would. Yeah. I'd, I'd like to continue to have you on this podcast. So I don't know if I'd be okay to sign you know, off on if that. If I can, if I can be on this podcast after recovering from food poisoning and not having a computer, Lars Sullivan, what's he going to do to me? Uh, don't answer that. But no, no, no. In all seriousness, uh, at this point, uh, you know, we are coming up with some ideas. There have been some ideas floated as far as what the uh, payoff or the punishment will be for these challenges. Uh, If you'd like to weigh in, we'd love to hear your opinions as well. This is all going to get finalized in the next week. So head on over to our Facebook group, the Busted Wide Open Facebook group. Uh, If you're not a member, join up right now. Just ask to be added. We'll we'll throw you on in there. Join the conversation. Uh, Put a post saying what you think. And, 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 you know, obviously funny posts would be fine too, but we're seriously, we're trying to consider like what we're actually going to do here. So, uh, so put in a post saying what you think the, either the, the payoff or the punishment should be for the people who win or lose in these podcast challenges, uh, as far as who's making WrestleMania picks. I'll go in there and put up a poll, uh, as soon as we're done recording here with, uh, the thing, the ideas that we had and then allow people to add their own things in the comments or in the poll directly. So definitely check that out, guys. In addition to that, uh, we have a lot of stuff to talk about with regards to heading into WrestleMania, but we have to be careful. We can't give away our picks and our thoughts and our analysis too soon because we don't want those sneaky going in raw and take two guys to know what we're picking (laughs) before we go. So They can know and it still won't help them. That's what I got to say to that. The interesting part of this whole thing, and I think we'll get into this more next week as we finalize certain things, 
uh, is what happens when there's a tie. And, you know, you and I seem to tie or come really close on a lot of these pick'ems sort of things ourselves. I'm interested to see what happens when you begin to add other shows well, into the mix as and well. And what I was going to say to that is one of the pick'ems will be we'll agree on a, a, a number, whether it's how long the show will WrestleMania will go or how many times John Cena says you can't see me or how many German suplexes Brock Lesnar gives to Roman Reigns. Exactly. Yeah. So a, a number like that. Sure. And then it would be uh, some, probably something a little bit more. Uh, more difficult to guess than the number of suplexes, so we don't accidentally tie on that. No. You know what I mean? Uh, but that's or make it where we can't pick the same number. Each show sure. can't pick the same number, sure. and that way, whoever's closest is the tiebreaker. Yeah. So that that would probably be the most elegant way to do it. Well, guys, let's kick it off. Let's get it underway. We're going to start things off with the big news. So probably the biggest news of this week is the fact that Shane McMahon was legitimately hospitalized with diverticulitis. Now, this was mentioned on Raw and SmackDown that this happened. Um, and, of course, there's some speculation as far as how much of this is a work, but we're, we're pretty sure that it is. he really was diagnosed with diverticulitis and was admitted to the hospital. Uh, luckily, it sounds like he didn't have to have surgery, which would have been a, a much bigger procedure, yeah. uh, close to like what Brock Lesnar experienced, where he actually lost a piece of intestine. Yeah. Um, from what we understand, it was just he had to go through a pretty heavy round of antibiotics, uh, and is has already been dismissed from the hospital. But they were also saying that he uh, he had an undiagnosed umbilical hernia that was uh, that was also an issue. I've had one. Uh, yeah, I don't. They don't sound like fun. But Mike, that's the one. That's the part that I wonder if. I mean, it sounds so specific that I imagine it would it it might be accurate. Yeah. Um, well, it is. So the more common hernia that you hear the guys have is called the inguinal hernia, and that's to do with where our our testicles drop. Right. Zuntite. Right. Uh, that's where they go in and put the mesh in stuff. The the umbilical one is right under your belly button. I, I figured that, yes. And, I, and I've had both. And it, <laughs> it sucks. Uh, you forget about uh, things like sitting up or laying down to go to bed and how painful that could possibly be. So do I think they're legit injuries? Yes. Because he's about our age and that's the time those things start to creep up. On I, I think it's. I think more what I'm questioning is is this is the additional uh, stuff that they're adding a way to you know to work the injuries he received at the hands of Sami Zayn and Kevin Owens, quote unquote. That's that's kind of what I'm wondering. Yeah. Um. Because at this point now his WrestleMania uh, action is in doubt. Like his presence at WrestleMania might be in doubt. He's supposed to be scheduled for this match uh, with Daniel Bryan and Kevin Owens. You know, we've been speculating there's going to be a tag match, Daniel Bryan and Shane McMahon versus Kevin Owens and Sami Zayn. And uh, that did get confirmed this week on SmackDown, which we'll get to later. But this throws that into doubt. If he is able to go to WrestleMania, what will he be able to do? Is this one of those things where he gets knocked out of the match early and doesn't see much action, but we still get the payoff for all of this story they've been building for nine months? Or will they somehow have to write him out of it? Or is this a process we're going to like, like wait and see? At this point, they're still billing this as the match. So I guess plan A is still a go. But, you know, what will their plan B be if Shane is unable to compete? They could very easily flip this to a uh, two-on-one handicap match with just Daniel Bryan and Kevin and Sammy. Uh, I, I, and I think it would work the exact same way and just have Daniel, you know, somehow be his underdog self that he always has been. And still, I still think Sammy and Kevin are still going to work it out. You're not going to fire them. They're not going to go away. It's a well, career, it's been stipulated as a career match. Well, well which we'll, which we'll get into in SmackDown. Yeah. And I definitely have some thoughts of my own about right. where they're going with this match. But 
at this point, the news is Shane hospitalized WrestleMania, uh, ability to compete at WrestleMania in doubt. And that's, that's kind of the big news that we're talking about here, which is, you know, we got to keep an eye on Shane because yeah. he's, yeah, he's, he's no bueno. Diverticulitis is no joke. Had nope. lots of friends go through that. Nope. Hey, uh, congratulations, by the way, to the fellow Los Angeles residents <laughs> not of Cleveland. <laughs> Uh, Ms. and Maurice, the yes. Mizzenins, had a baby girl. Yes, apparently sometime after Monday Night Raw, Ms. had to fly to wherever Maurice was, I assume here in Los Angeles, and uh, be there for the birth of his first daughter, their first daughter, uh, who they've now named Monroe Sky Mizzenin. So congratulations to them. I, I We said that she would be born around WrestleMania time, and my goodness, uh, she certainly was. There, there's were, part of me that thinks that that might have gotten induced a little bit early. <laughs> <laughs> just to make sure he had a good week before WrestleMania. You know, well, yeah, but it's also, it kind of sucks he has to be away for that first week. Right. Um, I I mean, here's the thing. I kind of hope he doesn't drop the belt at WrestleMania, but it might be the best thing for him to do uh, from, a, from a familial standpoint is drop the belt, get off TV for a while, go spend the first couple of months with your daughter, you know what I mean? And then come back and, and get in, break your record. So... I will wait and see, obviously, as far as career-wise, what this means for him. But at this point, you know, they had they had the WrestleMania baby right before WrestleMania. Uh, he's going to go into WrestleMania as a daddy. And uh, this probably means that, I mean, we'll see Maurice at some point. Yeah. So, yeah, congratulations to the Mizzenins. Well, if our math is right, uh, he's only got, by the time he gets to WrestleMania, assuming he retains, he's only going to have 20 days left right. to become the all-time you know, longest yeah. reign as of holding at WrestleMania Sunday, I believe that means he'll have 20 days left to break the record. Yeah. Yeah. So that would be an interesting plot twist if he did go away with just a couple of weeks left uh, in that. And then maybe he comes back to spend the year chasing the title. Just that becomes the oh, it could be a great story. Yeah. I mean, it's there's a, there's a lot they can do with it. There's a lot of different directions they can go with it. So, yeah, I, I, it could be exciting no matter which way they decide to, to book it. So, well, congratulations, Ms. or Mike and Maurice. The Mizzenins have a new baby girl. And speaking of having a baby, I got to say, man, I, I I felt like I was having a baby on some things this week uh, on some of the WWE shows. But to talk about that, we have to go talk about Monday Night Raw. Yet again, for another week, we got a beatdown of Roman Reigns. Yes, we did. And on off the back of last week, I thought they were going to flip the script and it be Roman's redemption to get back at Brock for beating him down while being handcuffed, but no, it, it was the it was the complete opposite. Because we're building sympathy for Roman Reigns right now. Brock is the big bad guy who is taking advantage of Roman Reigns and beating him every which way he can, even when Roman's not quote unquote ready to to fight, but he'll still you know show up and and you know be there and and even though he can't really fight back cuz he's still messed up from last week he's still going to show up and doggedly and you know heroically try to fight this monster and that, that's the story they're telling here that's the sure. story they're they're trying to tell and i don't know i think that part of it is that as we said roman doesn't project that kind of character that that this meshes well with uh, the idea of the underdog, the idea of the guy who's getting beaten down and we want to root for to overcome these obstacles. Uh, unfortunately, at this part, at this point, as much as Brock comes across as being, you know, this arrogant, unsympathetic uh, heel character, this this asshole champ who just shows up when he feels like it, 
he feels like a legit badass. Yeah. And Roman feels still, unfortunately, like a bit of a either depending on what part of this you're looking at. He feels like a doof. He feels like, um, you know, an entitled whiny baby. He feels like uh, a wannabe Stone Cold Steve Austin kind of character, you know, and and the the weirder aspects to this whole build and this whole angle are are not helping either. The fact that Paul Heyman this week admitted that last week the U.S. Marshals were not really U.S. Marshals. They were actors and second rate, you know, judo guys he'd paid to try and take Roman away. That doesn't really help with the story because, you know, last week it left us with a sour taste in, my, in our mouths because we were like, well, who are these really U.S. Marshals? And we were stuck on that. We sure. were stuck on that in the show. Like, yeah. well, that's dumb. And then this week it gets another layer of dumb by finding out that they were hired actors and it, it's just it's it's throwing more cloudiness into the soup. It's not helping this you know clean up this story, which should be pretty straightforward. And it started off straightforward when they started this off. And Roman was saying, "I show up every week." Brock doesn't. Uh, even you know, even though it quickly devolved into Brock is Vince's boy, which is probably the biggest laughing matter of this entire feud. Yeah. Uh, it, it quickly devolved into what it is now, which is just another Brock build, right? It's just Paul Heyman coming out and talking and talking and talking. And as great of an orator as he is, and he'll tell you uh, apparently this week that he is that great of an orator. He is really great. We've heard it. Yeah. We've heard it again For and years. again and again. This year, especially every time Brock has a match, Paul comes out and says some variation of the same thing in the same tone. And whether he's, you know, dissing the person that Brock is fighting a la Samoa Joe, or whether he's talking them up a la Braun Strowman, it doesn't matter. It still feels the same. And this whole thing now feels the same. The only problem is the sympathy they're trying to garner for Roman Reigns, they're not getting. That ain't going to work. Roman Reigns got his ass beat down again this week. Twice. And the crowd cheered Brock. Yep. Mm. Not going as planned, is Ooh, it? Oh, that's not going well. Uh, my whole take on this is, uh, I think I've said it the last couple of weeks, I don't see any way possible that, that Brock is still a WWE superstar beyond WrestleMania. There has just been no hint or no anything that says to the contrary that, that he's going to remain as part of the WWE. Do I see a long shot where he could come back as a surprise combatant at some point? Sure. But I, I don't see any way that they're not going to put this belt on Roman. What they're doing is it, it feels they were on the right track for those couple of weeks there where they had Roman coming out and calling out Brock for not being on the show. And that was going in the right direction. Like but one week. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see two big bad dudes facing off with each other. I I'm, I hearken back to last year Brock, uh, Brock facing off with Goldberg. As trivial as that kind of stuff was, it was two big bad dudes that you believed could hurt each other. I don't believe in anything that Roman Reigns says or does. And that's a really good point is even though that Goldberg match ultimately was only like 5 minutes long, it was still a really exciting fun match ultimately because it was two dudes who wanted to beat the like you said, big dudes who can hurt each other. And we don't we don't need to see another underdog story, especially with somebody who 
does not in any way feel or present himself as an underdog. Correct. And that's Roman Reigns. Now, if you had this with Roman Reigns, as you said, coming in as a badass dude who was calling out another bigger badass dude for not keeping up his end of the bargain and not being there for the company and for the fans, et cetera, and being the champion of the fans, then yes, that would be much, I personally think, a much more exciting angle than the tired, tried and true WWE underdog hero story, which they rarely pull off well with people that don't naturally come across as baby faces. Um, so yeah, this is, it's not working for me. And at this point, as you said, the only thing we can hope for is that everything evens out. And at WrestleMania, we just get two dudes beating the crap out of each other. And we have the kind of brutal match these guys had at WrestleMania 31 before Seth Rollins interrupted it. Um, and at that point, the audience really wasn't ready for Roman to have the belt, which is why they did that. I think at this point, everyone's just resigned to it. So this is the time to actually have that match finish. But if they have that kind of match at WrestleMania, we'll probably be entertained. My fear is that it's going to be a Brock squash and somehow Roman's going to sneak a spear in and one, two, three, and that's going to be the match. Mm, That's where I'm getting starting to get a little bit concerned. Well, you know where I'm starting to get concerned is over in the John Cena part of the show where he once again called out The Undertaker. This week, of course, he got a match with Undertaker's brother Kane, which was a no-disqualifications, fight-anywhere match, which was fine. It was entertaining. It wasn't that bad. Uh, But, of course, the whole point of it was everyone was sitting there waiting for Undertaker to come out, which he never did. Cena ends up beating Kane fine and then proceeds to call out Undertaker again, saying he's a coward for not showing up and stop hiding and stop living in the past and worrying about your past failures and mistakes. Come out and face me, blah, 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 blah. At this point, this is for the kiddies, as far as I'm concerned. This is for the little kids who still think Undertaker is a zombie dead man and John Cena is a superhero. And the superheroes, you know, for some reason calling out the the this legendary zombie dude. This is... For me, I've I've lost interest in this build. I'm still down to see the match, as I've been saying, for the nostalgia factor, but I'm not interested in it in terms of this build at all. I'm not engaged in this at all. Yeah, no, me either. And it, it's a shame because it's one of those things that I was kind of really high on. I doubted initially when I first started hearing the rumors earlier this year, they're not going to do that. I was Mr. Cynic, Mr. Skeptical. Because I thought they were going to run Cena, of course, uh, all the way to the to the championship, right? Now that that's out of the picture, I, I just I can't. I'm with you. I can't get behind this. I can't get excited about this yet. And here's the thing. Now here's the question: Do we think it's a good idea for them to have held off? Like, if they're going to have Undertaker come out, which they frankly have to, you right? You have to show Undertaker unless they just have Cena run down the ramp by himself at WrestleMania to call him out for one last time and gong. He shows up at WrestleMania at WrestleMania like Cena's in the crowd. Like he's been saying, well, Undertaker doesn't respond. I'll be in the, in the crowd as a fan. And then at WrestleMania, sure. he gets in the ring to be like, hey, I'm here. Ha ha. And then gong. That's when Undertaker shows up. You know, I think the reason that they won't do that is because they love to promote WrestleMania so much. They want to get the the big list of matches out yeah, but there. But they've got plenty to promote already. They do, but man, Cena Undertaker's a big one. If yeah. that's their go-home moment from their go-home Raw next week, that's a big, big, big moment. I'm certainly still holding out hope that we... Uh, do get the gong. We do get an appearance next week on Raw to solidify the match and make it official. Exactly, yeah. And, and it, anything short of that, I, I don't know what, 
what they're going to do. Yeah, I'm already I'm already not excited about this match enough. And if they don't give me like a little bit of sizzle next week, then it, it is going to be feel a little flat going into WrestleMania, at least for that. Aside from that, the card is sick at WrestleMania this year. Yeah, but that's that's one for me that I, I feel like I want to see that actually be on the card. I don't want to wait till WrestleMania to that for that to surprise happens. Yeah, quote unquote surprise. I want to know that's happening. I want to have that moment next week. The st- like, leave it like at the very end of the show. Cena calls him out one more time, and right as the show's about to go off air, bong the long walkout, the stare down, or he just appears in the ring. I don't care, but it ends with the stare down. Okay, it's official. Boom, we're off to WrestleMania. Yes, Get, boom. Now, um, and then I'm reengaged. That would be enough. I'm reengaged. All of this stuff that he's that Cena's been spouting into the camera, all this yelling, all this posturing. Cool. It's I, it's it's in my rearview mirror. That image, Cena's taker staring each other down. That's my last image before WrestleMania. <laughs> I'm there. I'm back in. Yeah. You know what I'm not into yet? What's Ronda that? Rousey. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, we need to have a big discussion about this because uh, I think I was texting you earlier in the week uh, after Raw where we were saying, I was saying, I think it might be WWE's biggest blunder in the modern era. Oh, wow. Uh, I think... I, I, and I'm talking about overall, not just this week in particular. Uh, since the debut, since the rumors started happening around Christmas, and since the debut at Royal Rumble, I was high on it at the time. I, I specifically remember saying on this show, I had forgotten what an absolute badass uh, combat artist she is, uh, what a career she's had, an Olympian, a UFC title holder, all of that stuff. And we were reminded with video packages. But the minute she stepped in the ring flat and it has been flat every time she's gotten in there the she needs to go to the performance center and spend two years like her counterpart Shayna Baszler is doing and is frankly staying out standing up over her at this point but I don't I don't believe I'm concerned about what happens when we get past mania yes we have the novelty match with the authority with the corporation whatever what happens after that when she has to be a week on week off main roster superstar and that's really the question, because I think you hit on something there, but let me quickly uh, just break down what happened this week. Sure. between Because we had two different things really happen. We had two video packages, one of Triple H and Stephanie working out and getting ready for their match and basically being interviewed about their thoughts on the match and their workout regimen, et cetera, and, and including a nice little bit of uh, Triple H and Stephanie's uh, physical trainer saying how, how strong and great they are. Right. Which was fantastic, by the way. Well, no, and that's what I was going to say is actually this this package was great because it wasn't it didn't hit us over the head with anything, right? All of the subtleties of them just being completely Stephanie, in particular, being completely delusional about her abilities against Ronda Rousey. <laughs> yeah, okay. Were not overplayed. It was it was done very kind of can like like they actually believe this. It's not it wasn't cartoonish, um, and that aspect of it I thought was very fun. Was that, you know, Stephanie and, and Triple H basically saying, yeah, yeah, we'll beat her down. And when she's beaten down, we'll pick her back up. We'll dust her off. We'll make her our, our product again. Like, we're not worried about this. This is not our first rodeo. Yeah. Uh, and, and Triple H saying the same thing about Angle. Uh, he's an idiot. I got to knock some sense back into him, which I've been doing his entire career. Uh, it, it was great. And I liked I like it when my wrestling has a bit of which doesn't hit me over the head when it's a little subtle when it's like a little bit more subtle sure i like that i like subtlety i like nuance and this definitely gave me that um and then to have this you know then juxtaposed with the video of ronda rousey 
where they were interestingly showing shots of her looking kind of like this like vulnerable look in her eyes, right? Like she's searching for something. Like that was what I saw a lot in that in Rhonda's video package was her kicking ass, but also kind of like like looking a little wistful and oh, you know, I'm just I'm sweet little Rhonda Rousey. Later on in the show, when Kurt's in the ring and Rhonda comes out and they have a little discussion about the match that's happening at WrestleMania, uh, and then absolution comes out and confronts ronda rousey and ends up there ends up being physicality you know uh, page uh offers ronda to join absolution ronda of course says no and then in a very respectful way for the record yeah i guess as far as wrestling goes sure (laughs) but then page six the other two members of absolution on her and ronda proceeds to dismantle them in a very entertaining fashion that whole thing, uh, I think that was where you you were falling off, if, I, if I'm guessing correctly. Because as you said, when Rhonda's in the ring, she doesn't project this feeling of a superstar that you really want from your superstars in WWE, in pro wrestling. She doesn't really fill the space, yeah. I guess, to, to, great way to put make it. an ephemeral yeah. of way of putting it. But she comes out, and as she's walking on the ramp, she's very smiley. She kind of glad hands everybody and gets to the ring and then proceeds to kind of shrink into herself. And when she's on the mic, she delivers her lines fine, but she doesn't doesn't come through the screen at you. She doesn't come through the screen at you until she gets the angry Rhonda face, right? Until until the, the, the bitch face goes on. Yeah. And then she pops. That's when you kind of go, oh, crap. Right. That's for me, at least when she jumps out at you, when the killer comes out and she does have there's the one thing I will give her is that she does have this kind of sweet, innocent look about her. And then she turns on the the psycho so quickly that it is it it is exciting. It's a bit electrifying to see. But the problem is it's not under control yet. It's not being managed well. And it's not something that I feel she has. you know, she, she's aware of. She doesn't feel like an aware, self-aware performer who's able to go out there and charismatically communicate to the audience or to the TV audience through the camera at home uh, the way naturally that someone like Paige does, who very kind of casually has this, you know, ease and charisma to Presence. her in the ring. Presence, exactly. Rhonda doesn't have that yet. And as you said, it might do her a world of good to get some time in the Performance Center in promo class Maybe she will get better the more time she spends in WWE. Lord knows, like we were talking last week about Mark Henry, who's in the Hall of Fame, who's going in the Hall of Fame this year, right? I remember when he first came out, they were putting him in, in commentary positions with, with JR and King. And man, he just, I mean, he was just, he sounded, he sounded like a mouse. You know, he sounded, he was stuttering. He was uncomfortable. Like he didn't feel like a superstar at all. And look how he came into himself. Now, yeah. granted, it, you know, took him a while, but. He absolutely came I, into. I don't have ten years to give Ronda Rousey <laughs> as much as much money and as like I got an email last night promoting WrestleMania to get me to sign up for WrestleMania, even though I'm already a network subscriber from day one. That's the one thing they're going to send me is Ronda Rousey at WrestleMania over above everything else, and that's sure. my whole kind of point around this whole thing is that they're they are centering everything to do with WrestleMania around. Ronda Rousey in this authority match. And sure. I, I can't get behind that well, yet. Well, but because here's the thing. It's not about you. Because as you said, you're already going to get the... You already have the network. You're already going to get it. 
Of course. This is for the Ronda Rousey advertising, the the plastering her everywhere and having her be the centerpiece. A lot of their mainstream advertising for WrestleMania is for that exact reason. It's for the mainstream audience who don't watch it regularly. That's what they always do with WrestleMania is try to bring in the casual people for WrestleMania, try to bring in the mainstream audience and try to hook them for the rest of the year by being, hey, check out all these big names we have, whether it's a celebrity, whether it's a new signee like Ronda Rousey, come check it out. And then maybe you'll see something else that'll keep you around for the rest of the year. That's what she's there for. And they do this a lot. Like Brock Lesnar has been something they've done that for years and years. Doesn't matter if he's in the main event or, at, or not. You know what I mean? Yeah. Lesnar Goldberg was one of the big, thing, big things they promoted last year. Sure. Right? Because that's what's most recognizable to people who don't watch WWE on a daily or weekly or even monthly basis. So, yes, of course, you're going to see a lot of Ronda Rousey out there in mainstream advertising because that's the audience they're trying to pull in. Well, it wasn't just that. It was the commercials for Raw, SmackDown, 205 Live, NXT, everywhere. That's, yeah. that's what it's Because been. why wait till WrestleMania to try to get these people involved? Like, let them okay. get, bring them in now. Sure. Get I, them, I, I'll, go, I'll get on board with that. Yeah. And that's uh, why all these thing. shows are, are advertising for WrestleMania right now, too, because they're, the casual audience is going to start building up. The, the numbers are, well, they're up for Raw. They're down for SmackDown this week. But, well, you know, what you're going to do. But the idea is to bring more eyes to their product now as they build towards WrestleMania. And one of the ways to do that is to use people that people who don't necessarily watch the show regularly, but but no other, you know, people who recognize Ronda Rousey going to try to attract them to the product. Well, the product that I am attracted to within Mandy Rose. Yes, but oh, sorry. Uh, no, on the male side of the house is the Miz. Hello. Yeah. Hello. Uh, the Miz and this whole intercontinental title feud. I think it is shaping up to be brilliant i think this match could very well sneak up on the audience that might be sleeping on the three of these guys oh absolutely uh and steal the show because i I, this whole setup that's going on i foresee miz taraj getting involved i foresee balor club getting involved good brothers i mean uh i wouldn't be surprised if we maybe got a sneaky dean maybe i don't think we're seeing sneaky dean They've said he's out till what, September or something like that. This could get big, is what I'm saying. Is it starting out as a triple threat match, and it may just be a really good, well worked match. It's being built beautifully, but I would not be surprised if this match ended up sneaking in as match of the night. I, and, and we've been saying for uh, on the show ever since they booked this match, this could be one of those like steal the show matches. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. However, I disagree. I do not want to see anybody but these three guys in this match. I want to see these three guys fighting each other, period. That's it. End of story. Full stop. Um, and, and the way they've been building it so far, I think, for the most part, uh, there's been some things I, I have not been as excited about. But for the most part, it's been a really fun build. Yeah. And frankly, most of that is because Miz is the fulcrum around which this feud is being built. We don't really have any significant heat between Finn Balor and Seth Rollins at this point. I disagree with that. I don't not significant. We're going to have a match between them next week which is going to I think probably push that part of the situation a little bit more of that part of the angle which it, it needs to be pushed. Uh but I don't think that we need to see I think that we need to see more between Finn and Seth, but at this point, it's mostly about Miz and how he relates to both guys and how he's really the center of the whole thing with the Intercontinental belt. Yeah. And he has been the guy who has been 
creating all of the dramatic scenes for the last couple of weeks, uh, whether it's, you know, pissing off Finn Balor, pissing off Seth Rollins, having them both on Miz TV this week, um, creating a scenario this week where he basically tells off the Miz Tourage. And the Miztourage turns on him. This was a really fun segment. Yeah, you know, between Bo Dallas having some incredible one-liners, um, Miz doing some great facial work, like some 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 hilarious expressions, uh, and then Seth and Finn both having fun with their parts, being drawn into the ring, and everyone surrounding Miz like they're all going to beat him up, and then it all turning out to be a ruse where the Miztourage then jumps Seth and Finn, and there being a big big kerfuffle, and they all. They all fall so each other in this whole segment is tall. where my thought and prediction kind of comes from is that kind of stuff. I do think we're going to see the Miz maybe not the good brothers, but I think there's going to be some involvement with Bo Dallas and Curtis Axel there may in the be, WrestleMania match. I just don't want that. Oh, I, I want, agree. you know I what agree. I mean? I don't like keep them in the arm bar. I don't, I want to see just these three guys. Keep it simple. I don't need to see interference. I just want to see these three guys go at it. And one thing we haven't talked about is the lack of stipulation matches at WrestleMania. We don't really have, there are no ladder matches. There are no table matches. There are no, uh, no holds barred matches. There's no, well, the, the, the mixed match Ronda Rousey, Triple H angle. Stephanie is a, is a no holds barred, but great. Whatever, whatever that means (laughs) in that match. Uh, it, it basically means everyone, all four people can be in the ring at once what they're trying to do there. But my point is there's no real big stipulation matches. I would love this to be a ladder match. I would also love the, uh, the Daniel Bryan, Shane, Kevin and Sammy match to be a ladder match. As I've said over and over and over again, Ian likes ladder matches. I like, I I do like ladder matches. I do like ladder matches. I I don't like, I don't dislike them. Uh, but my point is, is there, I, I just want to see these three guys, these three guys wrestling. Great. You know what I mean? I, that's all I need. And this is feud. This feud so far is, it's it's it doesn't have the, the level of intensity that you see with like the Usos Bludgeon Brothers New Day over on SmackDown, but it it's fun. It's fun, and these are three guys who can put on an intelligently well worked, entertaining match, and that's what I think they're going to do. They've hinted at it a couple of times, but I wanted to make the point that I do think that Seth and Finn have some that history there of the first Universal Title match. Uh, where Finn got injured, had to relinquish yes. it the next day, uh, went went away for nine months while he rehabbed his shoulder, all of that stuff. And then, you know, funny enough, short, shortly thereafter, uh, Seth hurt his knee. But the point is, I think those guys have unresolved stuff. They're just not, they've hinted at it a couple of That's times. That's the problem. They just haven't really dialed it up yet. And I think we might dial that up after WrestleMania. I want to see it dialed up before WrestleMania. I want to see it dialed up for this match. I want to see like these two guys actually like not liking each other. And that being one of those things that makes us think though they might take each other out and Miz will sneak out a win because these two guys can't stand each other. That's what should be pushed more, whether it's the commentary pushing it or whether it's their physicality pushing it or whether it's just their interactions. And we're not seeing any of that. We're seeing a a kind of a comedy thing going on with them and Miz and, you know, Benny Hill, that, 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 these guys, all these wacky guys. Uh, But what we're not seeing is, you know, some real heat between these guys. And I'm hoping that their match next week creates at least some of that and that they work on making it a thing where Finn and Seth have as much heat as Finn and Miz and Miz and Seth have. Right. If that makes sense. Yep. Well, there is a match or a build that does have some heat, and that is uh, Nia Jax and Alexa Bliss building. Uh, After Alexa's betrayal of the last couple of weeks, uh, Nia Jax had a match this week uh, with Mickie James, which... You could kind of call it a squash. I'm going to call it a squash. You call it a squash? I'm going to call it a squash. 
Yeah, Mickey did not get a whole ton of offense, and Nia kind of killed her. Yeah, she did that great, uh, great press into a Samoan drop for the finish. That was it was a good looking, uh, it was a good looking monster squash because you want Nia to go in looking like she's going to murder Alexa Bliss. What is Nia Jax's obsession with throwing people into corners awkwardly that makes them land wrong and looks? Nick uh, Mickey almost like twisted her knee on the landing off of one of those awkward throws this week. So this is what I'm always on Oh, about. for crying out loud. She almost blew Mickey James's knee out this oh week with that throw. Oh, my God. Yes. I'm, yes. I'm, I don't want her to hurt Alexa Bliss. Dude, uh, how many matches did we... Like, we we watched together this week and where people are getting blown out all over the place with putting the corners upside down. We watched a Lars Sullivan match where he murdered a small man and that man was not going <laughs> into the corners terribly comfortably, but you were fine with that. Yeah. But Nia Jax does it to Mickey James. It's, oh, she almost blew out her knee. That Nia's unsafe. I'm, it's ridiculous. Get over it. Lars Sullivan is a professional wrestler. Oh, the, so is Nia Jax. I'm going to burn your microphone, sir. I, I disagree this is ridiculous. Vehemently. I can't wait till she's the women's champ and you have to see her come out every week with that I'll just, belt. I'll just squirm. It's just I, it's going to be miserable. Good. And it ain't going to happen. You heard it here first. You, so, you, so, okay, in what world do you see Alexa Bliss retaining? I'm not going to do it now. I'll tell you next week. Okay. When we do I, our I, picks I, and everything. It, it, takes, it takes a week to come up with your, oh, no, uh, I've got your reasoning. I've got oh, sure you do. Yeah. Okay, I bet you do. Yeah. All right, well, moving on Thank then. You. <laughs> Moving Sorry. on, then, because apparently you don't have enough to say about uh, what, what's going to happen at WrestleMania with Alexa Bliss yet. You have to go write your, your segment here. Uh, we had another segment where uh, we had Braun Strowman facing off against the other half of the bar, as we predicted last week. Yep. Uh, Sheamus had to get into the ring with Braun Strowman because Braun said if Sheamus beats him, he'll reveal who his partner is at WrestleMania. And then a, as if it matters, as if it freaking matters. <laughs> Because a quick match followed and Sheamus got murdered and Braun stands tall again. What was that you were saying about Lars Sullivan murdering a small man? Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> That's kind of what this looked like. Except Sheamus is not a small Sheamus man. Sheamus is not a small man. Braun actually had trouble getting him up for the power slam finish. Like, Shane's, Sheamus is a big boy. Uh, so, But he still got manhandled. That being said, so there's really nothing to talk about with this build either other than who is Braun's partner going to be? And there's a lot of speculation going on out there as to who it's going to be. I'm holding on to my James Ellsworth uh, prediction. I, I, you know what? I don't. I think personally, personally, everything else aside, like real, realism, like what I think will actually happen aside, yeah. I think story wise, that would be the best option. And then to have him and Ellsworth hold the tag belts for a while. Because who's going to take it off of Braun Strowman? Who's and, but then have Ellsworth running his mouth about it? Like, yes. My God, that would be brilliant. Yes. That would be brilliant. And it wouldn't completely bury the tag division because they would still be a tag team. It would be, I don't know, fun and entertaining again it, on Raw? It would be. It'd be visually kind of like seeing Kane and Rey Mysterio holding it or Kane and Daniel, Daniel Bryan. Bryan. Team Hell No, yeah. Right? That's what it reminds so me visually, of. Visually, it'd be, it'd be fun to see. Plus, you have the additional, uh, you know, bonus of the history between the two having come full circle, and James Ellsworth going from being Braun's first victim yep. to his partner. Yep. And there's so much they could do with that. So, I, yeah, I think that would be if 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 they were willing to rehire Ellsworth, I think that would be so money to do that. And they could have pulled it off. They could easily because Ellsworth will be in New Orleans working an indie show. They could easily have pulled that off and told nobody 
and Ellsworth just comes out surprised at WrestleMania to a, frankly, he will get an enormous pop. It will explode. If he comes out with Braun Strowman. Yes, because he does. everyone's wheels will immediately go, oh my God, and realize what's going on and see how brilliant it is. That being said, I don't know how realistic that is. Uh, <laughs> I'm holding out hope. I'm holding out hope too, frankly. The, hope for Ellsworth. So other other rumored people that it could be right now, and everyone's speculating so much because, I mean, it could. Who could it be that's actually going to be exciting at this point? You I know? have no idea. Ray Mysterio is being talked about at this point. I don't eh. see that happening, frankly, because of stuff I'll talk about later about Strong Style Evolved. I don't see it being Ray Mysterio. Uh, obviously I said something about Hulk Hogan last week. I don't think that's going to happen just because of how WWE stances on Hogan. Um, and the fact that he still has a ton of backstage heat. And I think it's kind of clear now that it, his role is not going to be in the ring. It's going to be in an ambassador's type of role. Right. So Where he's I, basically I think we going out there that now saying, Hey everybody here, here's how you don't make mistakes like mine. And right. <laughs> WWE just pays for his plane tickets. Don't but, say the N word kids. <laughs> you know, <laughs> it makes people mad at you. Who yeah, the thunk They'll it? sue you for a bunch of money. Yeah. But uh, but no, there's a there's a let me know. Obviously, we were saying as a joke, Heath Slater. I think Heath Slater even threw his name into the uh, the hat on on Twitter. Uh, there's a lot of of fun. Neville has been thrown out there. Nah. But that's the thing is at this point, who who could it be that would actually be fun and entertaining? I've already said it. <laughs> okay. Well, another person people are speculating that it might be is, uh, and I think this is a long shot, is Elias. And uh, Elias also had a match this week. Uh, he came out, he did his normal thing where he kind of crapped on Cleveland, talked about LeBron James, and then had a match against Rhino where he beat him clean. Yay. Uh, but, I, that seems realistic. I could get behind that. Really? But they've had kind of this feud going on now for so long, it doesn't make a lot of sense. But as far as active superstars on the roster, I could see them pulling that off. But I, I, it just it's a But weird... that wouldn't be as exciting, would it? No, no, nowhere near. It wouldn't. Uh, something that is exciting to me is that finally this week, finally, finally, we had some actual action happen between Bailey and Sasha Banks. It still feels a little bit lightweight, but at the same time, they had a brawl backstage. They finally just had a war of words and had some good one-liners. Uh, you know, Bailey basically calling out Sasha for never being able to hold on to the women's championship for too long and. They finally get into it, had a good-looking brawl backstage, uh, looked nice and vicious, so they're officially feuding. Yeah, and it looks like it will... What it looks like right now, and I like this, is that it will spill over into the Women's Battle Royal at WrestleMania. They will not have a match at WrestleMania. That was going to be my question. Is is there even room on the card anymore no. for, for a Sasha Bailey match? No, but I think that they're going to find in... like With the Battle Royals, it's a place to kind of keep certain feuds going or set up feuds yeah. and little mini stories within the Battle Royal. This will be one of the big stories of the Women's Battle Royal is the two of them finally coming to blows and starting a big feud, which will start off the next sequence, next year, I guess. If, if the year, if, if WrestleMania is the new year, that's it's starting off that. So... Yeah. I'm I'm excited that they're finally doing it. I need it to feel a little bit more. I, I want it to have a little more weight, but uh, it's a good start. We're finally getting somewhere, nice. and I just, I just I can't wait for Sasha to go full heel. Well, let's talk about the edition of what didn't make the Hulu edition of Raw this week. We, well, we kind of already have with Elias, yeah. <laughs> yeah. So uh, you know, continuing on, Balor Club beat up the Miztourage. Yep, that's. I mean, you said you wanted to see them some them fight, and they had a match and. Fowler Club won pretty handily. Carl Anderson looked awesome. Shotgun drop kicks in the corner. Beautiful stuff. Uh, that's really all there is to say. 
One thing that wasn't on Hulu, and I wish it were because it wasn't exactly that long, but it was it was cool, was Asuka had a squash match. Now, obviously, that's not a big deal to say. Asuka kind of, Asuka kind of squashes people on the regular. Sure. Not that she has in a while, but she that's kind of her thing is beating people. Well, there was a they had a local competitor named Jamie Frost who came out and had kind of like an Ellsworth speech where she, you know, was was pretty good on the mic and, and said, like, oh, I'm going to I'm ready for Asuka. I'm going to take her out. She got, I think, two or three hits in on Asuka and then Asuka kind of laughed at her and kicked her in the face so hard. She just dropped like a sack of potatoes and that was it. All right, then this was what I want to see in a squash in as much as it wasn't what you made Oscar look like an absolute killer, like terrifying again, which we need to be reminded of before she faces Charlotte. Yes. Uh, it was not her normal finishing move, right? She didn't take her out with the Oscar lock. She didn't take her out with anything else, an arm bar. This was a kick. So it reminds us that no matter what Oscar does, it's deadly. So all around it was entertaining and it was, it looked brutal. It was fantastic. I uh, love it's, this. It's one of those I definitely want to go back and watch since I didn't get to see it because they won't put a whole friggin' show on Hulu. Maybe you should just watch it, you know, live. Just saying. I know. Uh, something else you missed. There was a cruiserweight match. It was a tag team match. The two guys who are in the cruiserweight championship bout at WrestleMania, Cedric Alexander and Mustafa Ali, teamed up against Drew Gulak and TJ Perkins, TJP. Uh, it was a fast match. It was over quickly. It was just there to remind us, hey, by the way, cruiserweights, ha-ha. Yeah. Uh, you had a little bit, I wouldn't even call it tension between Gulak and, and Ali, but it was definitely kind of that friendly, like, I see you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're yeah. going to do this. Uh, but yeah, that's. I can't wait for that match at WrestleMania. Ali and Gulak for the belt post-WrestleMania? Uh, I, you think Ali's taking the belt and because th- I didn't think Ali would have made it out of the second round of the tournament, <laughs> but now he's in the finals. So who am I? Well, here's the thing. We will talk about this during two of five live our, our segment on that later, but the, we, they are doing a great job of setting up the future feuds in two five live post WrestleMania yes, already. So we already know who's facing Drew Gulak afterwards, but we'll get to that. Uh, one more thing that I got to discuss, and that is that we had a Matt Hardy segment where he came out and said that Bray Wyatt is no more. The vessel that Bray, was Bray Wyatt is no more. He has been deleted. It's official. And Matt is entering himself into the arm bar. Uh, great. Fine. This was interesting because, again, Michael Cole kind of shat all over the final delete or the ultimate deletion and then afterwards called the whole delete thing obnoxious. Meanwhile, you've got Corey Graves sitting next to him going, Vanguard One has its eye on you, and you know, you're going to be the next to be deleted, which makes me wonder, well, is there a feud building? Like, if th- Is this the sort of thing that last week I was bitching because I thought Michael Cole was legit burying the, the ultimate deletion? Now I'm seeing this might be a work. This might actually be an angle they're working. Are we getting rid of Michael Cole? <laughs> Please. I don't know. Please. I don't. I don't want to put him in the lake of reincarnation and have wrestler Michael Cole come back or, what if or have him sister be sister Abigail inhabits Michael Cole's body. You shut your whore mouth. <laughs> Stop it. If I have to see hot topic, my Michael Cole, I'm uh, no. Oh, the frosted tips again. Yes. Yes. Frosted. Yes. Frosted tips. Bad goatee. Late night. Late early two yes. thousands. Michael Tribal Cole. Tribal tattoos and everything. Oh Lord. Oh my goodness. Lord have mercy. Anyway, no, I'm, I'm a little bit relieved because I'm starting to think it is a work of some sort. I'm just curious where it leads at this point. So that that was a bit of a weight off. It was just, it's interesting now that, that, that I look at it, that they're building it in that way. So I guess we'll see what happens. Huh. You know, I, I, 
I'm sitting here processing, and my mind is kind of blown because for the last 15 years, if not longer, it's been Michael Cole as the staple on Monday Night Raw. And I'm, I'm as as much as we're down on him all the time, I'm trying to see figure out what that looks like. Does Tom Phillips come over well, I, in full time? I mean, look, we got rid of JBL, and I've said for a long time Michael Cole was next. I, oh I just, I think it's time. I, we, we found the Goldilocks over on SmackDown. Those three guys need to be the full time trio on both shows. Wow! Uh, wow! I mean, yes. I'm no fan of Jonathan Coachman, but good lord, man! Sorry, I'm talking about Byron Saxton. I'm aware of that. I'm saying you're taking. I mean, I you know what? Actually, now that Coachman I think about it, I, is terrible. I would take Byron Saxton. Table over Coachman. salt is more exciting than than Coachman. Coachman's killing me. You're right. I I frankly would take. I would wish I had Booker back at this point. That's <laughs> that's yeah. I, as incomprehensible as he was. At least he was funny. Yeah. Coachman's Coachman tastes. Yeah, he tastes like cardboard. Anyway, yeah, I don't think it's time to write Michael Cole off TV yet. All I'm saying this could be is this could be an interesting angle. And speaking of interesting angles, we did have a couple pop up over on SmackDown Live. Just when I was starting to feel a little bit down about this U.S. title picture, great, Randy Orton got his belt. whoop de doo He completed the super. It, it was thing. the most ex- unexciting match on the card of WrestleMania for uh, sure. We had Bobby Roode, Jinder Mahal going after Randy Orton and his new U.S. title. All of a sudden, uh, Sunil Singh is, or is it Samir? I'm not sure. Whichever one, the Singh brother, one of the the Singh <laughs> brother that's remaining. Uh, it comes out in a neck brace and a sling, arm sling. He's got a he's got a busted wing, and Jinder Mahal goes on to say he's found a new tag partner for their match tonight. Right, because they were they were tagging, they were having a, a Jinder Mahal and the Singh brother versus Bobby Roode and Randy Orton, which on paper just sounds absurd, absurd, and it's like like first of all, like Jinder's walking into a you know a death trap. Yeah. One and two, it also just it it does it just sounds ridiculous. Yeah. So, but at least. They did find an elegant way out of it by saying, oh, yeah, the Singh brother, he's injured, but it's okay because instead of having him tag with me, I'm going to have a lion. Instead of having a tiger, I'm going to have a lion. A Bulgarian lion. (laughs) The lion of Bulgaria. Rusev comes out to tag with Jinder Mahal, which right off the bat gave me like, oh, God, like, oh, no, 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 don't associate the two of them. No, stop that. Um and it ended up being a fairly entertaining match, like fine as as much as you could, you know, as much as you could expect on SmackDown to have this match be anything. Sure. It was weird the fact that Rusev was the palest guy in the ring. Yeah. I mean, he's bo- And he got the pin. He's bo- he did get the pin. He did get the pin. Yes, that was did. an interesting on Randy tell. Orton on the champ. Yes, uh, but of course, Hello. but of course, that was part of the plot because, as we saw backstage, when Jinder is congratulating Rusev and thanking him for helping him win, Rusev says, "Oh no, no problem, because uh, I just pinned the champ, which means I'm going to go insert myself into y'all's three way match at WrestleMania and make it a fatal four way." So, from what I understand, backstage, because Rusev's merch sales have been so huge. As we've been saying on this show, because they listen, you push. Yeah, okay. As you push the things that are making you the money, right? And at, as of this point, Rus up to this point, Rusev had been like circling with Nakamura and not really doing anything. He didn't have anything to do in WrestleMania. He was probably going to be in the armbar doing nothing. But then they obviously put two and two together finally, and we're like, you know. This guy's making us a lot of money. Maybe we should feature him more prominently on WrestleMania. Yeah, I don't know. Maybe put a title on him. 
I mean, let, let him be a feature star on SmackDown Live? If they were smart of all of the guys in this now fatal four-way match, I'd put the title on Rusev. Me too. Give him the damn U.S. title back. That was his first title in WWE. I, I kind of still associate it with him in some ways. I would love to see him get it again and go on a nice, strong run and come out and everyone chant Rusev Day with him with the title held high. Yep. I mean, we are admittedly Rusev marks on this show. I mean, so it, It's, it's going to be hard to top him driving out at WrestleMania in a tank. How you don't top You that. just don't top a no, tank, you can't. period. But uh, this is close. Unless I would he love to parachutes see out of a jet, a fighter jet like buzzes <laughs> the stadium and he parachutes. Here's the thing. I think this is smart. This is really smart. I'm so glad they did this. I am now reinvigorated for this match because you've added an extra element I did not see coming. And I think it does add enough extra flavor to this match that it's now more exciting. And it's a bit more of a wild card. Before, I was, I was kind of didn't really care who took the title. Me either. Randy Orton retains. Eh. Bobby Roode gets it. Eh. Jinder gets it. Oh, God. Yeah. Rusev might get it. Hell, yeah. That's that's what I want to see happen. I I think a lot of people want to see that happen. I can't wait to hear the the amount of Rusev Day chants at WrestleMania. I mean, that's like as much as it's a casual crowd, it's also an incredibly smarky crowd because you have a lot of people from all over the world paying tons of money to go see the show. And a lot of these people like you remember last year at WrestleMania just how loud they were. For some of this, like the mark yourself, like the that match with with the with the Miz and John Cena, where like the marriage match, whatever you want to call it. Yeah, remember how over the Miz was? Yeah. Oh my God, that's as over as I've ever seen him. So yeah, very much cannot wait to see what happens this year at WrestleMania. Now with this match, very exciting. In other exciting news on SmackDown, we had Daniel Bryan come back out after taking an apron power bomb last week and apparently he wasn't 100 percent it looked fine to me and it was the whole speculatory thing of whether or not he would show up tonight yeah what's after he gonna the injuries do? received and, and and he just came out and gave a promo basically running down the whole plot that we have with him and kevin and sammy and shane and what he ended up saying was you know what i'm cleared to wrestle so screw this whole general manager shit i'm taking off this stupid coat and I'm going to kick their asses at WrestleMania. Hell yes. In. Done. <laughs> Bring it. Let it begin now. I, I'm, I'm ready for this. This is, one, this is we, were, we were scared to dream of this back in November when we first started seeing this building towards this possibility. Yep. I remember us saying on this show, wouldn't it be cool if, no, no, shh, don't, it probably won't happen. Don't even think about it. Here we are. It's happening it's going to happen. This is awesome. This is fantastic. Can't wait for this match. Enough said. Another match that I was surprised didn't get either better booking or more attention was we had uh, Nakamura versus Shelton Benjamin. Yeah, but it came out of nowhere. There was no promotion for it other than at the beginning of the show. You got, also tonight we're going to have Shelton Benjamin facing Shinsuke Nakamura. All right, and then next we're going to... That was it. Yeah, and remember when Shelton Benjamin returned and got huge ovation and now no one gives a crap when he comes out? I, I What the hell? I do. Yeah. I've, I've seen uh, Nakamura and Belton Benjamin's matches over in, in, in Japan. Like... They were knockdown, drag out, badass matches. This was not that. This, this had some cool. <laughs> it had some cool moments, but they were definitely kind of phoning it in a little bit here. Yeah, uh, it was all just setting up so Shinsuke could need a face and it be a thing. Absolutely, and yeah, they had. Uh, there was also a whole way to show off that Shinsuke is playing some massive mind games with AJ Styles. 
which by the way, usually I think is silly, but here is actually fun and interesting because Shinsuke has finally found something that he can sink his teeth into as far as charisma and as far as playing a role where he's now coming across as being uh, intelligent. He's coming across as being calculating. He's coming across as being charismatic. He's uh, his words are clear. We're able to understand him better. And when he's, when he speaks, um, the inflection and the, and the intent behind his words now become, they, they feel a little bit more clear. Sure. So with having with him and bringing AJ Styles to the ringside and ultimately us see us being shown that he only brought him to ringside, not to help him because Chad Gable was going to try to run interference. It's Nakamura's way of saying, I don't need your help. I just wanted you to see what I'm going to do to you at WrestleMania, which is beat you with a knee to the face. And after the match, he ends up uh, AJ being helpless in the ring uh, because of Benjamin and Gable and Nakamura almost, you know, knees his head off, almost Kinshasa's him, but stops and goes, <laughs> almost got you. This was fun. Pats him on the head. Yeah. I love that. Oh, it was great. This, this feels to me like the most engaging Nakamura has been since he's been on the main roster. 100% agree. Who knew all you had to do to get Nakamura over or make him interesting was put him in a feud with AJ Styles. Who knew? I don't know. Everybody. Everybody. <laughs> uh, no, but all, in all seriousness, this is a ton of fun. This was great this week, and I really was relieved to see Nakamura coming off so well this week. I like how we started this off talking about a match between Nakamura and Shelton Benjamin and then just completely forgot about Shelton Benjamin and started talking about AJ Styles. Oh, just Because that's kind of the MO of what's going on. Kind of like on. the booking crew over right. on SmackDown. Right. Just, Are you yeah. listening, guys? Uh, moving on, let's talk about what's going on in the tag division because this got a whole lot more exciting to me this week. Uh, New Day comes out basically calling out the Bludgeon Brothers to have a match. And they come out and everything's great. And then all of a sudden, out of nowhere, the Usos run in. And start beating up the Bludgeon Brothers. What is this? Uh, to help the New Day? This is post-match, of course. They go in and get their mallets. It's all a DQ. It's a disaster. It's chaos. It's chaos, as this whole feud has been. This yeah. is one of my favorite feuds on the build to WrestleMania, as I've said for, the, for a while, because yeah. it feels so intense, so chaotic. Like, there's real stakes here. These guys really hate each other. They're, they've got history of, of hurting each other. Um, Remember and how down we were on the Bludgeon Brothers when they were debuting? Because the gimmick is terrible. It is. It's still terrible. It's but still, they're amazing wrestlers. It's still objectively terrible. It's basically two guys who are overcome. It's Dusty Rhodes being put in polka dots. Okay? <laughs> you, you can... I don't care what you dress these guys up as. Yeah. If you tell them to go out there and murder people, it's going to be cool. Yeah. All right? Yeah. And I don't care if they... I mean, their outfits still suck. They objectively suck. These, these like purple ripped looking things. It's dumb. But then they start beating people up and you forget that it's dumb because they're genuinely scary and it's great. You know what I mean? You've, uh, Harper, of course, is, is Harper. Like, we love him. He's, he's a brilliant wrestler, massively underrated, uh, great on every level. And then uh, Rowan, Eric Rowan, basically looks like, you know how Cesaro and Sheamus always do the fusion dance? Yeah. He looks like what would happen if it worked. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. So that's he's a, he's a big, scary, bald dude with a massive red beard that I don't ever want to look my way when he's coming down the street. Yeah. You know, putting, him, putting them in the ring with a whole bunch of other guys who can fly around the way that the Usos and the New Day do 
it's just gonna this is gonna be absolute insanity at WrestleMania. It's and it now has so officially good. been booked as a triple threat match between all three of sure. these. Sure, now it's official. We've known it for weeks. It's of gonna course, go of course. Way. We've known it was gonna be that, but you know, now and now it's it's in the books and yep. we got that one to look forward to. Can't wait. Uh, speaking of the last couple of things that kind of didn't really matter on SmackDown Live, we had uh, Becky Lynch coming out in a hot new singlet uh, with her fire going on, facing off against Ruby Riot. Yeah, beating Ruby Riot clean. I mean, as if the as if the Riot Squad needs to get kicked down another notch. They they lose clean again. Their leader loses clean this week. Uh, whatever. This was a nothing match. This didn't mean anything other than you know the Riot Squad is well on its way to Enhancementville. Yeah, and. By the way, hey everybody, we're gonna have a women's royal, a women's battle royale at WrestleMania. These are all these women are gonna be in it. Okay, great. Just to remind you what that looks like, we're gonna toss the other members of the Riot Squad over the top rope and right. then hint at it with commentary. And, okay. yeah, exactly. Yeah. And they did the same thing. We had a match where Dolph Ziggler faced off against Tyler Breeze with Fandango on the side of the ring being nuts. This was hilarious. Being, I, I mean, died laughing at this. Although I'd had a few beers when I watched it. So it was <laughs> it, it was, you know, I would dumb have laughed harder. Humor. I would have laughed at, this was Tyler by the way, this is Tyler Breeze's one thousandth match. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty. I, just, I wish he actually would have had a match as opposed to a little bit of offense, a little bit of defense, gets zigzagged in one, two, three. I don't, I don't want to correct you, but I need to st- uh, just make sure that it's it's Fandango. I can't, fa- I can't believe we're having this conversation right now. Him doing laps around the ring, I just could Until not he gave stop himself giggling. a cramp. Yeah, it, it was like watching a Wiley e. Coyote cartoon. I, I had a blast. I, 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 just, I want them to do more with it. Like I still call back to the comedy match where they first introduced Tyler Breeze as the janitor yes. against the Usos yes. as being one of the most brilliant comedy matches uh, I've, I've seen in the WWE in years. And I, I feel like they have that capability, but everyone's just kind of scared of straight comedy matches. And I, I wish they, you know, the comedy guys always get jobbed out eventually. And, and here we are. Yeah. But it, yeah, it's another way to say, hey, all these guys are in the, uh, the Battle Royale at WrestleMania. There's a Battle Royale, by the way, at WrestleMania. Whoop-de-doo. WrestleMania, Battle Royale. I hope they come in in outfits. I hope they add a comedy element to the armbar, to, you know, I, I just, I want that to continue to be fun. We've lost fashion files, essentially, at this point. Uh, I, I, but I, if we can keep the two of them in that kind of comedy role that Fandango is perfectly suited for, I, I just, I, Dry humping the rope and doing laps around the thing while he's getting his butt kicked by Dolph Ziggler in the ring, I think is hilarious. I had a blast watching this. I want more of it. Well, you probably will get it because they do do comedy stuff within the armbar usually. I still remember uh, that was the armbar actually, uh, I think at 31 was where Miz and Miz Dow broke up finally. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, so that's who knows what will happen. But uh, yeah, that's it for SmackDown. We have all of this stuff to talk about next week on uh, uh, for WrestleMania, the, the go-home shows for both brands. There's a couple of things, I guess, a couple of little bows to tie, a couple of little presents to finish wrapping before the big day. But, uh, but yeah, we're not going to be able to talk about those until next week, so we might as well head on over and talk about the wide world of wrestling. Well, once again, it looks like NXT might potentially upstage WrestleMania with Holy TakeOver. Holy crap, kid. Woo! Okay, so last week we teased that there was some big news coming out of NXT. This week we get to talk about it because yes. they, they announced it all. They announced the big news, and that is there is going to be a new championship title over in NXT. It will be the North American Championship belt, 
and it will be the first champion will be determined at TakeOver New Orleans in a six-man ladder match. Ladder match. Ladder. Hey, hey, I got my ladder match. Yeah. Not only did I get my ladder match, but they also announced the six men who are going to be in it. And they announced it in very dramatic fashion throughout this week's NXT show, starting off at the very beginning when when Regal announced that they were going to have this new belt with the debut, the walkout debut of EC3. It was fantastic. Who murdered it. He killed it on his debut. Man, he came out looking like a million bucks. As As he put it, he's got a banger of a theme song. He looks great. He's got all the charisma in the world in the ring. He can murder it on the mic. This was a great debut, very good-looking debut for him. Yeah, I cannot wait to see him work in the ring, or if you've watched uh, TNA in the past, Impact, whatever they call it now, uh, if you've watched that and seen him in there, it, you know that the guy can work. So I'm excited to see what uh, what happens at take, not only at TakeOver, but beyond sure. for EC3. Oh, he's, he's got a very bright future, there's no oh, doubt. Yeah. But what I'm most excited about is not just the fact that EC3 is in this match, but that there's five other dudes in this match that... I'm I'm as equally excited about, if not more excited. And as the show went on, and he kept announcing new people and new people. Now, granted, I already knew this because I was an idiot and read spoilers. I, I knew the people that were in this match, but I was. But this is what my point is. I was still excited every time he announced them. I'm like, yes, yes, aha. Uh-huh. Well, let's go over the the because so it was bookended by EC3 and someone we'll talk about in a bit. But the, <laughs> let's talk about the four in the middle that we know. If you know NXT and you watch NXT. Sure. So first of all, William Regal just kind of off the cuff announced, by the way, Adam Cole's in it, Yeah. which was to me seemed a little bit nonchalant. Sorry, Kyle O'Reilly, Bobby Fish is hurt. You don't get to do WrestleMania either. I don't uh, know. Well, we'll see what happens with that. Yeah. But, but then we had uh, uh, Velveteen Dream interrupt William Regal and ask if he could be in the match. Sure. Granted. So now we have EC3, Adam Cole and Velveteen Dream already off to a good start. Later in the show, we had the return of the monster Mars <sighs> Sullivan. And I think I had about 17 orgasms during that match. That's disgusting. I know. I'm sorry. I, he he thing, is I, the scariest man. I, 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 You know me to be a Braun Strowman mark, but um, Lars Sullivan is right there neck and neck. With I'm, not, I'm not going me. to speculate on the confluence of you orgasming while being scared by a giant Jack Kirby drawing sure. of a human being. Think what you want. I... I don't even want to think anything about this anymore. I'm going to move on and just say that Lars Sullivan had a match where he, as we said earlier in the show, murdered a small man. Uh, I don't think there's any other way to put it. I don't it. think he was small. I think that was an average sized man. <laughs> there's nothing small about the man he, that he, he murdered. Looked, uh, no, he looked like a, ch- a ripped child. Yeah. A ripped, bald child, and Lars Sullivan looked like a, a bridge troll that was slowly choking the life out of him. And I love his entrance. They've changed it, so they've repositioned the cameras for his entrance. He's now the shadow monster from the Rocky Mountains. <laughs> what, did he crawl out of his mountain troll cave? Uh, he was hiding under a bridge for the last few oh, weeks. Anyway, God. the point is, Lars Sullivan killed someone, Yes, and then backstage, very eloquently, uh, asked to be put into the six-man match but only if Killian Dane was involved as well. So there's two more guys who's going to make this match awesome. Killian Dane and Lars Sullivan. There's your big boys in the match. So far, we've got EC3, Adam Cole, Velveteen Dream, Killian Dane, and Lars Sullivan in a ladder match. In a ladder match. But here's the part that gets really exciting, at least for you and me, because at the very end of the show, the last person we see coming out of William Regal's office to announce himself as being in the ladder match is none other than our Boy, the two-time PWG champion, Ricochet himself, 
in a ladder match. Uh, oh, there. Uh, Eighteen. <laughs> Just had another one. Sorry. Okay. Yeah. This. Come on, man. As it, as if this card wasn't stacked enough. It for takeover New Orleans. And in addition, at the top of the show, we had another match get made for this, and that was an unsanctioned match because it. You know they can't. There's no rules here. Between Tommaso Ciampa and Johnny Gargano. Gargano apparently has been following Ciampa everywhere and trying to get at him. So really Showing Regal's, up at his house at right. 3 in the morning. The Regal is finally, you know, saying, there's right, a little outside of logic, of course, but yeah, yeah well, we'll give you an unsanctioned match because he's not technically part of NXT anymore, but if you have a match and you beat him, then he's gone for good. Like that's, gonna, like that's gonna, yeah, it's banned. He's banned from NXT. Like that's not already what he sure. is. But if he loses and Gargano wins, then Gargano is fully reinstated Correct. to the NXT. Correct. I wonder, I wonder what's going to happen. Can't imagine what yeah. that outcome is going to be. I, now, here's the thing. I kind of feel like they're paying this off too quickly. I agree. You know, I think it's the beginning of a year long feud that we're about. I to hope. Have. So. I well, I hope they they keep coming back to this. I hope this is a long term. Thing that just keeps going and going, especially if and when Johnny gets reinstated, this continues to to burn. But yep, I ho- I can't wait for this match either. That's going to be a barn burner. Uh, but speaking of matches, we do have to talk about a couple of the matches that were on the show this week. We did have a few more matches uh, in the Dusty Rhodes Tag Team Classic, starting off with the Street Profits facing off against the Authors of Pain in what I thought was going to be a more competitive match. I have. I, I want to rattle off something real quick. I've said it to you. I want to say it to the listeners. I feel like in the way that they booked this, they buried not only the street profits but the uh, but heavy machinery as well, showing what? that the street profits can beat heavy machinery. This should have been booked as heavy machinery going over the street profits and then having AOP and heavy machinery have a big match. Now, does this have anything to do with your heavy machinery markery? Let's not discuss that. Okay, I'm just Let's not go down that rabbit curious. hole. But I feel like it's more sensible booking than having stick figure Montez Ford uh, goofing off outside with a cup with Paul Ellering. And and look, I mean, I'm taking this tag tournament pretty seriously, and this felt like apparently it was, it was stupid. This this was a complete so you, waste you, of so time. Just to clarify, what you didn't like in this match was we had a bit of back and forth, and then at a certain point, Montez Ford is outside the ring. Uh, celebrating the fact that uh, that inside the ring they're winning, and he ends up in front of Paul Ellering, offers him a drink. Paul Ellering slams down the cup, and then Montez kind of slowly stalks him up the ramp, not realizing that his tag team partner is getting murdered inside the ring and that they lose the match. So you don't like the fact that Street Profits essentially look like a couple of idiots. They do in this match. Agreed. After beating your boys' heavy machinery. Correct. Okay, so that's basically what you're saying here. I think a better match would have been legitimately between Heavy Machinery and AOP. I, I think that this was definitely not worth the payoff, especially considering that the the place that both teams came from, this doesn't feel like as elegant of uh, a sequence of matches as some of the past Dusty Classics that we've seen. Yeah. Um, oh, and let's not forget about TM61 that also got pushed along the way as AOP rose to get into the finals. Yes, and actually, that wants me... That makes me want to talk about a backstage segment they had this week on NXT where TM61 was interviewed about that and them saying, and I, and I like this, I liked everything about this segment, by the way. They start off with T- TM61 in front of a window, which overlooks the training center, talking about how they keep getting beaten by AOP. It's like the, the they can't get this monkey off their back. Right. They have to figure out a way to beat them. And they can't figure out how. 
But in the middle of them talking about this, through the window behind them, we see Shayna Baszler berating somebody and Ember Moon coming up and then starting to get into a scrap. And the camera guy goes, sorry, guys, hold on, and runs into the room to catch the two of the girls, the two girls scrapping and ends up getting caught up in the fight and getting knocked over. And we just get right up in this fight. I loved the way this was shot and produced. This felt very like camera verite. This felt very much in the moment. It felt like you were actually in the performance center and they've had some pretty good and pretty innovative ways of shooting the backstage segments in NXT for a while now. This was, in my opinion, one of the top ones that they've done in terms of elegance of telling two stories at the same time. The, you just the the use of the time that they had uh, and the space and the, and the storytelling within the one frame that you can see. It was all very well done without having to have their entrances play and then come down the ramp and get in the ring and do a scripted performance. This yeah. was this this did better than that. If and I'm it, being honest, it didn't it didn't feel put on backstage where everyone's just kind of standing around oh, and yeah. like, you know, theater facing the camera. This uh, the economy of movement and of. Uh, of storytelling in this very short segment was awesome. I loved it. Well, speaking of interesting backstage camera work and beatdowns, we were... Somebody was leaving the ring, and all of a sudden, Morrow says something like, "Oh, we're getting word that there's a a, an altercation backstage out in the parking lot." Mamma mia! Mamma mia! And uh, all of a sudden, we cut to Alistair Black being having his clothes torn off and being beaten down by Andrade Cien Almas backstage getting getting dunked into a uh, a cooler yeah with face first refreshing yeah the nasty plunge that's dumb um I'm no so, but th- i'm sorry it's okay the next thing that happened though of course is there was a big beat down in the middle of the ring alistair black middle of the ring and uh, almost just beats the crap out of him leaves him lying there walks away looking very vicious very strong cool little segment heat up their match now they've got more beef awesome that's all i needed um next on the show we get to talk about the other half of the semifinals of the Dusty Classic, and that was Sanity versus the uh, kind of strange team of Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne. And they won clean. Pete Dunne and, and Roderick Strong won pretty handily over the ex-tag champs. This was, I mean, I know it's the Dusty Classic and anyone can win, but okay. I, I mean, of the, of, I figured AOP would have been called up by now, and I thought the Roderick Strong and Pete Dunne thing was sort of a one-off because he's currently... Is this all being done for Roderick Strong? No. It, it, it seems to center around... I mean, if they go on and they beat AOP at TakeOver for the tag championships in NXT, which I really don't see happening, but if they do somehow put them over AOP, I'm going to be so confused, and it feels like everything is kind of centered around Roderick Strong and getting him a belt finally of some sort. Well, I because I feel like he is... It, him, him and Johnny Gargano are two different underdogs of different stripes. Sure. And NXT loves its underdogs, and they've always been very good at building them. And Roderick Strong is an example of kind of like a, a fighter's underdog. Um, so I think that he's his story and his involvement is just because they're really high on him, and he doesn't really go out and put on bad matches. So no matter what they do with him... He's a, he's a good utility guy. But I thought he'd moved on to 205 Live. No, no, no. He was just he was just there to help fill out the brackets. I supposedly, okay. I mean, who knows what will happen after WrestleMania? I think that, you know, we'll, we will see. Obviously, this is going to come to a conclusion at Takeover New Orleans. Uh we will find out next week I think AOP is facing uh Dunn and Strong. So, we'll see what happens. I I I may have read, read ahead and know what happens. Uh, so you'll you'll have to wait and see. But so that's not a takeover match. We're doing that next week. 
You'll have to wait and see. Oh, okay. Yeah, well, the takeover match is for the championship. Oh, that's right. Yeah, so... Which we don't know the current status of Bobby Fish right now. Right, and that's the other thing, is, is what exactly is going to happen with Bobby Fish injured right now. So, he can't compete for the championship. So, yeah. I don't know. Lots of things to see. We got one more week until uh, until takeover. One more show to go to, to finalize everything. Right now, this card is looking insane. Yes. Can't wait to see what happens. But something else that we got to talk about is what's happening over on 205 Live. And once again, another killer show. I love how this is being booked and written right now. I love it. And I don't know. These guys are killing each other. And it's like the audience doesn't care or doesn't know because they've just been both so burned out by the how bad it has been. And it's it's tragic to me because this show is so good right now. It's not only that. You've just spent four hours sitting around watching SmackDown Live taping, and then you had the Mixed Match Challenge taping, and now you're going to get to 205 Live, and the people that are still there yeah. have moved down to the lower level. Yes. And, it, you know, there's just there's a quarter of the people that, that there that were there for the SmackDown taping. So I... Or live. I'm sorry. It wasn't taped. But you get my point. So... One, you've got a quarter of the people that are there. Two, they're not that involved in it. They're burnt out. They're burnt the hell out. So I, I think that is a logistics thing that they can fix. Mm-hmm. Uh, whether that's it's something that they're just doing on the network itself, or whether it's saying I'm not that bothered about it because the entertainment value that's going on when I watch that on 205 Live, and and I've always been a naysayer of it until about a month or so ago. Once the the keys to the kingdom were handed to Triple H and you brought Jake Raverick in and you kicked Enzo out, who was the joke of the whole thing, and now all of a sudden you've legitimized it with a bracketology-style single elimination tournament that's going to culminate at WrestleMania. And not only that, <laughs> by the way, not, not only are they doing the bracketology and the, and the tournament and everything, but the booking that they're doing, they're already setting up for after WrestleMania certain matches and certain feuds and they're not doing it in a way where it feels like I don't like him so I'm going to fight him it's going through the general manager where you had Drew Gulak in the tournament beat Mark Andrews and Tony Nese so this week the two of them have a match to determine who gets a rematch with Drew Gulak beautiful that's brilliant booking yes that's great book you have two guys who have a beef with another guy they got to fight for the right to face him to get revenge that's great. This that's is not br- hard. That's not that, no. That's brilliant, <laughs> and it makes me involved in every aspect of that match and the next match that's going to happen. It's great, and that was a, and it was a good match too. I was frankly rooting for Mark Andrews to lose because compared to Tony Nese, he looks like a thirteen-year-old girl fighting a grown man. But that's okay. I'm looking forward to Mark Andrews getting picked apart by Drew Gulak and torn to shreds which is what i thought would happen with tony niece but no <laughs> no he surprised us. But it was it was a good match i'll give them that uh we had another we had a nice promo between uh cedric alexander and and uh mustafa ali where they were talking to each other as friends but also you could feel the tension you know they both really really want this belt that they were sitting across from and drake maverick kind of eyeballing both of them uh I, I liked where they're going with this, where Cedric basically says, I'm, if I had to stomp out your heart to take this, I will. And Ali saying, you're going to have to. It's the only way you're taking this. Like You could feel the need. You could feel the need both the guys had for this. It was a great segment. And then we had a fatal four-way to determine the number one contender for whoever wins the belt at WrestleMania. So basically the first person. So we already know coming out of WrestleMania who they've got to face. And we had a four-way between TJP, Buddy Murphy, Kalisto, and Akira Tozawa. And correct me if I'm wrong, but for me, 
that tore the house down. Now, the audience didn't start doing the this is awesome chant till the end and kind of, you know, laugh, eh, this is awesome because they were all, as you said, tired and there's not a lot of them. But I, I, was, I thought this was a barn burner. Easily match of the week. Uh, hands on, down. On, in WWE TV. Sure. Ah, sure. Oh, my God. It was incredible. Just innovative move after innovative move. You had TJP trying to submit two guys at once, twice in varying different crazy combinations. Tozawa top rope senton onto a surfboard. That- onto a surfboard that underneath Buddy Murphy had snuck in, was trying to pin the guy. TJ Perkins. TJ Perkins was, was surfboarding Kalisto. You had Buddy Murphy sneak in under the Kalisto surfboard to try to pin TJP. And you had Tozawa come off the top and senton sandwiching all of them down. Crazy While the sp- ref was counting one, <laughs> two, uh, this was insane. Badness. And it ultimately culminated. Look, we're running a little bit long. We got I mean, the, you. Let me let me speak to the people that have not watched two hundred five live and didn't have faith in it. Go watch two hundred five live. I was just like you. I watched my main roster shows. And about a month or so ago, I picked up watching 205 Live again. It's one of my favorite things to watch every single week now. And if nothing else, watch it for Buddy Murphy's finisher. That because it's bananas. Murphy's Law is what they Murphy's call it? Law. Yeah, it's Holy it's based on Shuji shit. Kondo's Whale Hunt, which is uh, a pump handle half Nelson lift into a it's like a fireman's carry Olympic slam, and he bridges like it's. You just have to see it. It's bananas, and he's so smooth with it. It's it's. It's incredible. You see why he's called the the biggest secret of NXT. Yeah. And so now he is the number one contender to face the winner of Cedric Alexander versus Mustafa Ali. At I'm the excited for the yeah, they've got me excited for the shows that are coming up. I- I'm in. Good stuff. Old. Uh one thing I don't know if I'm excited for anymore is over on the mixed match challenge this week we had uh the the fan vote. They voted back Finn Balor and Sasha Banks. And they faced off against the Robe Warriors, which is Bobby Roode, and it was supposed to be Charlotte. But she had some sort of dental surgery this week, wasn't on SmackDown, and was not able to compete in the Mixed Match Challenge. So her substitute, apparently by vote, was Becky Lynch, which was an interesting decision. Uh, so Becky had two matches in one night this week. Yeah. Um, and this was fun. That you know, a, lot of, a lot more character work. But uh, so uh, as you would imagine, the Robe Warriors win. Becky ends up pinning Sasha Banks with the roll-up. But this begs the question. We've said this on the show already that it's ridiculous to make mixed match challenge a part of Oscar's streak, which Correct. they're doing. She's now going to be facing Charlotte a, five days before WrestleMania. What are they going to do with this? This is this is crazy booking. It's why is Charlotte getting dental work done a week before WrestleMania? <laughs> Who so knows? She, it's magic. So she can be smiley and happy at WrestleMania and look she great, look is. like the queen. I don't know. Yeah, whatever. whatever. We'll see what happens next week. I think they're booking themselves into a corner on yeah. this, but I, because this has, this is now going to have implications for their match at WrestleMania. So I, I, yeah, I'm curious to see how they get the heck out of this one. But you know what? Let's let's move on from mixed match challenge. That's it's it's begun to frustrate me. Let's go talk about something that is really going to fire us up. Yes, because you and me, Nick, we went and saw pro wrestling gorillas. Time is a flat circle. This last week at the Globe Theater in downtown Los Angeles, the first time they have had a show outside of their Reseda residence in the last ten years. And breaking news. Uh, going forward, after the next three events at Reseda, at the American Legion in Reseda, I believe, correct me if I'm wrong, that all events going forward will be at the Globe. It has not been confirmed that they will be at the Globe, but we do know the American Legion has been sold. So they're out. Uh, they're pretty much they're, they're saying they've got their two-part show uh, coming up. Uh, an all-star weekend yeah. in April and then May will be there. I think May 25th. I've got to look again. will be their last 
show there. So if you want to go and sweat your balls off one more time, you're only going to have three more options to do it. Uh, and I, we will talk in a second about All-Star Weekend because they have released the card for that. It looks it looks pretty nice. But let's talk about the card we saw on Friday. We started off with Joey Janela, the bad boy, versus Ray Horace, which was a nice starting match. Opening up, yeah. yeah it's good energy, good yep. fun character work. It was good. Uh, Joey Janela did pick up the win on that. We then saw what I can only describe as a train wreck, uh, which was the a fatal four-way between Brody King, Eli Everfly, who I don't know how he got a job in wrestling, Doug James, and Jake Atlas. Uh, this, I mean, I, Jake Atlas, I think, dislocated his his hip at one point in this match. He was injured. I didn't know that. Yeah, they, they was lying outside. I mean, the guy was lying outside. Oh, and that's was, right. Yeah. One of those outside the ring and spots. And it was just, yeah, yeah, yeah. it was a lot of guys just kind of trying to do high spots, but not knowing how to pull them off or not having the timing right. It was yeah. kind of a mess. Uh, Brody King, Thankfully, picks up the win as he should. He is probably one of the bigger star, like upcoming stars in PWG. Uh, keep He's an eye massive. Out. Keep an eye out for him. <laughs> keep an eye out for him also because I saw him acting as a young lion on Sunday oh, at, at the Strong really? Style Evolved event. He was ringside being a young lion. So keep your eyes on Brody King. Huh, Boys okay. getting in good with some people. Uh, we had a tag match: Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz, aka the Rascals. Uh, had a match against Flamita and a guy who I'd never seen before, but I can't wait to see again, which is Bandito. And this match was awesome. This match with a ton of energy, like just nonstop action. These guys went at it. Uh, Desmond Xavier and Zachary Wentz do pick up the win with the pin on Flamita, but man, a lot of people hadn't seen Bandito, and they were, he they were over as hell. Hell yeah, they were they were cheering. This the was hell a lot of fun. A lot of people gave him a standing ovation after this match. It was a ton of fun. But I don't know if it was as fun as the next match, which was Will Ospreay and Adam Brooks. And we even thought coming into this night, this was going to be one of the big matches of the night. Yep. And it delivered. Yes, it did. These boys went all out. Uh, they, had, they had high spots all over the place, just tons of athleticism, as you would expect from these two. These two have had matches all over the place. Uh, definitely one of the best matches of the night. Ospreay does pick up the win. And then we had, just to change things up, we had our big boys match. This is when you came to life again. Oh, yeah. This is when you woke back up. Jonah Rock versus Jeff Cobb in a who can do more athletic big boy <laughs> spots. Who, who can suplex the other one better? <laughs> My God, this I, I, match was hard hitting. I talked to Cobb after the whole thing, and he, and he was just sitting on the side of the ring kind of exhausted going, yeah, another night of throwing big guys around. Like, <laughs> you know, it's what they pay me for is having big guys fall on me. Oh, uh, man. He did do he did do the people's shooting star press though, which is pretty cool. Yes, he did like the whole start to the rocks uh, people's elbow, but then at the end, instead of dropping the elbow, he does freaking shooting star press. Uh, Jeff Cobb is a big boy. Yeah, bigger than Apollo Cruz. Oh and somehow God! Yeah. Figures out how to do a shooting star press. Standing shooting star press. Jeff Ridiculous. Cobb is amazing. This was a fun match. Yeah. This was a fun match. But Jonah Rock gets the win over he did. Jeff Cobb. I was, I was, we were all surprised by that. Jonah huh. Rock, though, I think is going to have a big future. The, the guy I do is. Too. He's got a cool look. He carries himself well. Cool entrance theme. Uh, big guy who's also very athletic. He's actually bigger than Jeff Cobb, which is crazy. Uh, but yeah, he's he's got a cool look. I think he's going to go some places. Uh, and then it was my match of the night, which yeah. was Zack Sabre Jr. versus Matt Riddle, which yeah. was freaking 
insane. You I can mean, find this one online or buy the DVD and watch it. it. This match right here for me is, you know, other than the one we're going to talk about in a minute, it is the one that made the night. It was this scintillating. Was, this was pure graps and wrestling and everything I love about the sport. I don't think that, I think this was shoot for like the first half. Like yeah. these guys were actually trying to wrestle each other because they, they both are technical wizards and yeah. that's, it was, they were just going at it. It was so fun and so cool to watch. My jaw was on the floor. It ended up building to a really cool finish. Zack Sabre Jr. does pick up the win. And of course, in true Zack Sabre fashion, immediately stalks off with two fingers in the air yeah. uh, to, to you know piss everybody off because he is he's such a heel. But it gave Matt Riddle a bro moment in the ring to stand tall after his of defeat and cheer on. And the, the audience loves Matt Riddle. Matt Riddle's a staple of PWG, has been for some time. So he's definitely got the audience's heart. Uh, I, but at the same time, it's it's amazing to watch these two guys grapple with each oh, other. I, I would love to see a sequel. I would love. I could watch them wrestle all yeah. day. That's my fight forever, right fight there. Forever. Uh, that being said, we got to talk about the main event, which was it was not the best match in the world. It was not exactly like a you know a, a school trip in how to how to wrestle or anything. But it was a ton of fun. A lot of character work, really. Yeah. Because ever since getting the title, Chucky e. T has been kind of on a downward spiral and, and falling into heeldom. And Keith Lee was here to uh, to take the title from him. Dot, dot, dot. And he did. Yes. So if there's one thing I've learned about my career in wrestling and wrestling journalism, if that's what you want to call it, uh, is never say never. And any time that I have said something will never, ever happen... It it's going gonna to happen. Yeah, I I said to some people outside in the line, oh, yeah, there's no way that Keith Lee's taking the title because he's going to WWE and Chucky just got it. He's going to have a reign. Nope. Nope. Keith Lee's your new PWG champion. And you, too, can bask in his glory. Oh. He is now your PWG champ. Fantastic. Love it. And he's already booked. He's already booked his first uh, title defense. Oh, and that's, yeah. I'll talk really quickly about the all-star weekend matches, which are coming up. Uh, night one, Trevor Lee versus Ray Horace, Joey Janela versus Jonah rock, uh, violence unlimited, which is Brody King and Tyler Bateman versus ring Kampf, which is Walter and Timothy Thatcher. Yes. Expect some slaps. Yes. Uh, Hangman page versus Keith Lee in a non-title match. But that should be a damn good match to watch. Holy smokes. And then uh, the Rascals, uh, Xavier and Wentz versus Young Bucks versus the Chosen Bros, which is, of course, Matt Riddle and Jeff Cobb. Yes. Which is going to be a nuts main event for the Holy first night. Smokes. Night two, you've got Bandito versus Ray Horace in what should be a flippy shit off. Uh, Trevor Lee versus Flash Morgan Webster. Rascals versus Violence Unlimited. And then here's the main event. The first title defense will be Keith Lee versus Jonah Rock versus Walter Walter for the PWG title. Oh my god. My god. And also uh Taiji Ishimori, he's the uh, is coming over. He's going to have his PWG debut. He is the longest reigning junior heavyweight champion in pro wrestling Noah history. He's going to be there first night he's fighting Bandito, second night he's fighting Sammy Guevara. It's going to be bananas. Wow. But we, we definitely have to see if we can get tickets to that one. I'm going to do my damnedest, Woo. sir. Well, we're getting to the end of the show here. I know you went to Strong Style Evolved and want to run down what happened at the show. So I do. Kind of lightning round, if you I, can. I do indeed. It's actually going to have to be a lightning round because this show was pretty hazy for me. I was in a, a I was in a, a horrible haze of sickness, but God damn it, I powered up, <laughs> manned up, and made it through the entire show. 
sweating like a stuck pig. I'm sure the group that I was with who didn't really know me, they thought like they were asking who my, I went with a friend of mine uh, and I think her entire group was wondering who the heroin addict she brought was. Right. I felt awful. Almost like the guy that was in the front row at uh, Time is a Flat Circle. <laughs> yes, the poor guy who poor passed guy. out and everyone made fun of. Right. Uh, but no, this was, a, this was another, this is the thing. I think this was what would be called like a mid-level uh, special event for New Japan. Okay. Where they weren't really, they didn't have a ton of like big matches. A lot of tag matches and stuff where they were showcasing guys. Showcases, who were, yeah. But they had a ton of their stars there. And that was really cool to see them. Guys I'd never seen before. Uh, guys I'd always wanted to see were all there. And it was very cool. They did announce that they are going to have the G1 special take place in America at the Cow Palace in San Francisco on July 7th. That's a huge venue. Damn. And that's going to have some big matches. So I think they're obviously getting more confident in their footprint here in America, and it's showing by the fact that they're, they're confident enough to have that. But really quickly to run down this show, uh, there were some really fun matches. Rapongi 3K, which are the really great up-and-comers with Rocky Romero, they beat SoCal Uncensored, which is, the, frankly, in my opinion, kind of legendary team of Frankie Kazarian, uh, Chris Daniels, and Scorpio Sky. I was shocked to see those guys all wrestling, but it was a ton of fun. Uh, Juice Robinson and David Finley beat Goto and Gato. This wasn't surprising to me, but Juice and Goto, I'd love to see continue to have a feud. It was kind of a quick match. Uh, Killer Elite Squad were fun as hell. Uh, they were just big dudes pissing off the audience. They got a ton of heat. Uh, versus Chucky e. T, obviously hometown hero, but Toru Yanu was Chucky e. T's was was his was his tag. Does partner. he still have his belt? No, he doesn't. He doesn't. But oh. he but by God, he got such a huge reaction. <laughs> oh my God, was he over? Toru wow. Yanu so massively over, so much so that it seemed to surprise even him. Uh, that was a ton of fun. Then of course we had the uh, the what I would I'm going to call the Bullet Club is Fine match, okay. which was Cody and Marty Skrull uh, facing off against the Gorillas of Destiny, the uh, the Bullet Club OGs, yep. and beating them, uh, which I thought was sort of surprising, but I guess it's Cody kind of you know keeping his power. He's got to cement that position exactly. Yeah. Marty, and, but him and Marty are kind of not quite on the same page. The oh, story, really? the okay. whole story continues. Cody is absolutely hated by the American crowd. The most heat of anyone in the evening. Oh, my God. Hands down. Really? Okay. So much heat on Cody. Still hating on him for that Stardust thing he did. <laughs> I don't think that's what they're hating him oh, for, bro. Okay. Uh, there was a, the first of like the really big tag matches was uh, you had Los Ingobernables with Naito, Hiromu Takahashi, Bushi, and Sonata faced off against freaking Tanahashi. Hiro- uh, they had, Tanahashi showed up, and that's for, that was a big deal for me, at least. No Daryl, though? Daryl was not there. Hiroma was there. Daryl was not. Uh, There's rumor and speculation, though, that he was filming for the season four of Lucha Underground, but we're not sure he was spotted or someone that looked like him in a Lucha mask was spotted downtown. There was a, a, a cat suspiciously in a Lucha mask downtown, yes, is what yes. you're saying? So we're not sure if that's where he what they were up to, but yeah. All right, moving on. Uh, no. <laughs> This was a fun match. It was it was a uh, Tanahashi, uh, Ryusuke Taguchi, Dragon Lee, and Kushida, and of course Dragon Lee and Hiromu Takahashi have had a, a just a brutal feud for a long time. And of course, this the first time they were in the ring together, they slapped the shit out of each other's chest for what felt like ten minutes, or it might have just been that I was sick and everything just seemed like to last a long right. time. Fun match. Everyone got their spots. It was really cool to see all these guys fighting each other. Um, almost as fun as it was to see the next match, which was our boy Will Osprey who was all over the place this weekend, 
standing in for Rey Mysterio, who also was there, by the way. Rey Mysterio did show up to apologize in person for not being able to face off against the legend Jushin Thunder Liger, who, who Osprey stepped in to, to fill his shoes. So why didn't that match happen? Because he tore his bicep. Oh, Ray, that's right. Ray was injured. Ray was injured, so right. he couldn't. So all he could do was sit sit at ringside and watch Osprey and Liger have a great match. I completely forgot about that. I'm um, sorry. I was surprised. Liger put Osprey over. Osprey wins, and then cuts a fire promo afterwards about how he is no one's replacement. He doesn't stand in for anybody. Anytime Ray wants to come up and step up to him, he's more than ready, and Ray accepted. Before uh, Marty Skrull jumps in the ring, beats down both of them. And then takes takes Ray's mask and wears it on his head. Yeah, and then he uh, unmasked Ray Mysterio. He unmasked Ray Mysterio. Uh, Ray, of course, they, you know, they covered Ray's course, face and everything, yeah. and they got his mask back eventually. But there was a big moment. Uh, but then he also, of course, challenged Osprey for his junior heavyweight title. Of and Marty, so we're getting Marty Skrull and uh, and Osprey, Osprey for and, the and junior Skrull has just been a thorn in Marty in, in Osprey's side. He's never beaten him. Oh. He's beat, uh, he's taken his Ring of Honor title. He's taken his Progress title. Like Marty is his nemesis. So that's a great build. Plus, with the additional challenges to Jushin to, to Ray, like you know, the future is great there. All those guys are going to have interactions in the future. That's a ton of fun. And then finally, we got to the match that I was really really excited for, which was. Uh, Kazuchika Okada and Tomohiro Ishii facing off against Zack Sabre Jr. and Minoru Suzuki. In a somebody's going to die match. In a someone's going to die match. And dear God, when Ishii and Suzuki started hitting each other, I, yes, you thought someone was going to die. Oh they even God. like were doing a shush in the crowd to see how hard like they were hitting each other. Yeah. So you could hear the thunk of them hitting each other. Uh, by the way, Suzuki, another guy who massively over the Kaze Ninare in his opening song when he's coming to the ring. Again, I think surprised even him with how loud it was. Go watch the, the broadcast. Yeah. And you can just hear the announcers are talking and they're talking, talking to this level. And all of a sudden, Kaze Ninare just blows out everything. It's so loud. It's fan- It's the one time I perked up and actually vocalized at all in this show. I was dead to the world for the most part, just sitting there quietly in a ball, kind of just eyeballs sticking out of my head. And that's the one time I stood up and went, Casadina Ray! <laughs> and then sat back down and cried. Uh, so lastly, I've got to talk about the, the two big events. Jay White and Hangman Page had a match, which I think I would have appreciated more if I wasn't ready to die. Yeah. It was very long, very kind of slow. Bunch of crazy big moves where I thought they were going to kill each other. Uh, Jay White did retain over Hangman Page. And then the final match of the night, the big one, this is the one everyone came to see, which was the Golden Lovers finally having a match against the Young Bucks. Um, this has been getting a lot of accolades on uh, around the place. People calling it a, a five-star match or higher. I, it was not that. I don't think I've watched it back. It's very good. A lot of botches at the beginning. Um, the, the storytelling was kind of the big thing. Both these teams are super athletic. There's a lot of just ridiculous athleticism and uh, and, and a bit of ability to just go in yeah. this match. But it, to me, it was just missing a little bit of something. Did I but hear it right that Meltzer good. did give it six stars? He gave it five. Oh, Meltzer, five. Gave, okay. Meltzer gave it five. But this this was a very good match. And at the end of the day, the storytelling really did pull this out with. Kenny being very reluctant to face off against the Young Bucks and them having hurt feelings and feeling bad and Coda just being like, let's just go. I want to I want to kick ass. Yeah. And Kenny being very reticent to the point where he even ends up putting the one wing angel on Matt Jackson at the end near the end of the match and then drops his arm and says, I can't do it. And Matt pulling his arm back up onto the top of his head and saying, just kill me. Go on. Just do it. Just do it. 
Damn. It, yeah, no, it was some good stuff. Some very good stuff. But uh, overall, good show. But again, I think they're going to have an even bigger card at the Cow Palace for the G1. And they certainly have a pretty good uh, card going for Sakura Genesis so far with Osprey versus Skrull for the junior heavyweight title. You've got Golden Lovers booked for uh, Cody and Hangman Ooh, Page. That could and then, be ugly. And then, of course, you have the main event, which is going to be Zack Sabre Jr. and Kazuchika Okada in a, in a Kenny Counter the Rainmaker match. So... Good stuff coming up ahead with New Japan. Great show in Long Beach. Glad I was able to see it. Hopefully, the next time I see New Japan, I will not be on my deathbed. <laughs> well, hey, some other real quick news we've got to get through. No, we're running long here, guys. Thanks for sticking with us. Jeff Cobb has been offered a contract by Impact Wrestling, Ooh. but no response yet. This makes sense. They're kind of going yeah. after a lot of the Lucha Underground guys. They're having an Impact versus Lucha mass, uh, yeah. match at WrestleMania weekend, so it makes sense they'd go after him. He's one of the big stars of Lucha Underground. He's a big indie star. Uh, it doesn't surprise me at all. I'm curious to see if he does sign because he just got some love over in New Japan. So he's got a lot of options right now. And taping season four of Lucha. So, I mean, there's there's why commit yourself. To- and that's taped. I mean, we're just waiting to, for the episodes to start, to start coming out with that's that. True. That's true. Um, speaking of WrestleMania weekend and the indie shows there, there's been some stuff coming out lately. Will Ospreay has been complaining about it. A lot of people are complaining about it. The uh, the local rules, the, the, the athletic commission rules in New Orleans, in Louisiana for pro wrestling are apparently absolutely insane to the point where they actually say there's no flips. Uh, specifically, you can't really do like a shooting star press or anything at someone's head, but okay. still like it's, it's very delicate wording. You can't throw anybody over the top rope or through the ropes. You can't deliver pile drivers. You can't deliver power bombs. The wrestlers must be clean shaven and what? can't have any lotions or oils on their body. If you try to put all this together and try to imagine any modern wrestling match actually happening in that environment, it it is mind-boggling. It makes no sense. Since 1978. But you know who's exempt to these rules? Who? WWE and Ring of Honor. Huh. They don't have to do, they can do whatever the heck they want. Why is that? Because well, so you know, there's one uh, group that would say it's because they have all the money, and they don't. At a certain point, you can just I'm pay in your, that group, right? The other group would say, uh, and this is WWE would come back and say, no, it's because we can prove that we we train our wrestlers well enough that they can perform these without causing injury to anybody, and that's the real reason these all of these things exist. Okay, but the strange thing is, is that wrestling is still being uh, handled by an athletic commission when. Yes, it is athletic, but the athletic commission is for competitive sports, and it's not what wrestling is. You don't see the Cirque du Soleil coming to New Orleans and having to follow these same rules. Sure. You know what I mean? Sure. So, it's not like they're also bathing in baby oil and water backstage before they go on to perform. No, and there's, but anyway, this has become the point of a lot of discussion right now online, and unfortunately, we're a little too late in the show to really get into a big discussion about it. Hopefully, we'll talk about it next week if we get some time, but it, just to, to put it out there, check it out on Twitter. Uh, Osprey's been talking about it. A lot of wrestling blogs have been talking about it. Uh, the fact that there are some, still some crazy laws on the books that affect wrestling and that affect pro wrestling in the smaller markets and smaller indie companies specifically. Well, hey, also another update on Vader. As we talked about last week, he did have surgery. It was successful. It was successful. But they did come out and say that it was worse than they originally thought. Yeah, his son tweeted something out that uh, he said, you know, that this, it was a successful surgery. But uh, man, the doctors were like, dude, this his heart problem was even worse than we feared it was. Uh, he was given like a couple of years to live at most and told never to wrestle again, which, of course, he completely disregarded. So, uh, yeah, thank God he came through the surgery. Um, you know, all love to Big Van Vader. 
Uh, frankly, in my opinion, once he recovers, he should be first round ballot next to your Hall of Fame. The fact that he's not in the WWE Hall of Fame is a damn shame. I agree with that. Lastly, to close things out here, uh, Dean Ambrose was uh, preliminarily scheduled to be at Access, which is the pre-WrestleMania fan meet and greet signing event kind of thing that they do leading up to the weekend. He's been pulled. Yeah, they they advertised him and then they said, nope, nope, never mind, he's not going to be there. So, of course, mm. the speculation rumor mill has begun to swirl. Did he have to have secondary surgery? Is he scheduled for some sort of activity at WrestleMania proper? And they don't want to... Uh, who knows? We don't know. We have no... idea. Anybody who you hear saying they know, they're lying. They don't know. No one knows. No one knows what's going on with Dean Ambrose right now. We do know he's not supposed to be back until September. Obviously, they tend to fluff these things, but... With the kind of surgery he had, realistically, he wouldn't be back before July anyway. Yeah. So this would be really early for him to get any kind of action whatsoever. Um, I, I saw one thing that said, well, he had arm surgery. Maybe he just can't sign things for that long. <laughs> says, Who knows? Bottom line is, if you're going to access, don't expect to see Dean Ambrose because he will not be Don't there. go to access expecting to get an autograph from Dean Ambrose. Because you ain't going to get it. You ain't going to get it. Nope. Well, guys, that's our show for this week. WrestleMania Part 1. We will be back next week with Part 2 with all of our picks. Take 2 and going in raw. We will be in touch. We will have our stipulations and our ideas for what we want to lay out by the time we get to, I don't know, let's say early next week. We'll send. We'll be in touch with you guys, and we'll lay all of that out for all of you listeners next week of what what the grand plan is going to be. And everybody who wants to get in on this, please go on our on our Facebook uh, Busted Wide Open discussion group. We're going to have that poll up there. Give us some ideas what you'd like to see be the the prizes and the and or the punishments for the uh, the podcast that wins and or loses this particular WrestleMania Pick'em Challenge. Yes. Also, come follow us on Twitter at BWO Podcast. We are going to be very lively over the course of the next couple of weeks as we get closer and closer to WrestleMania. It's the busy time of the year. Ooh, and WrestleMania Day is going to be very, very active. Not to mention the day prior being TakeOver, which is stacked. Ugh. It's gonna, the whole weekend is going to be bananas. It's going to be a weekend of wrestling, unlike anyone except else the one year. we just had. Right? right. <laughs> it's going to. It's going to. There's a lot of wrestling coming up in our lives, and I'm not mad about it at all. Well, head over to iTunes, leave us a review, leave us that five stars. Let us know what you think. We love getting your feedback, all of that good stuff. If you want to support the show, head over to orbitaljigsaw.com/store. Pick up some sweet swag to let us know that our show is your favorite. But I'm Nick Howell. You can find me on Twitter at Data Center Dude. And I am Sir Ian Dangerous. You can find me on Twitter at Sir Ian Dangerous. But by God! Would somebody donate me money so I can fix my damn computer? God damn This show is part of the Orbital Jigsaw Network. For more episodes, subscribe to us on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher Radio. For details and show notes from each episode, check us out. OrbitalJigsaw.com.